I hereby dub thee High King Elliot, the spectacular High Queen Margot, the destroyer. Queen Alice, the wise. King Quentin, the moderately socially maladjusted. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's what this episode of The Magicians is all about. Uh, Just to introduce us really quickly, I am Clara. I'm Danny. And welcome to another episode of Physical Kids Weekly. This week, we're discussing season two, episode one of the sci-fi TV show, which is called Night of Crowns. We'll get into the episode in just a moment, but first I want to introduce this week's very special guest. Arjun Gupta, who plays Penny, is here to chat with us about his character and his work on the show. Welcome, Arjun. Thank you. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> I love talking to Claire and Danny and all you guys that are out there. You guys ask such dope questions, and I'm excited, uh, excited to talk to you guys. Well, we really like talking to you. You're, uh, I, I know we've only had the show for a little while, but we consider you a friend of the show already. Absolutely. Um, yes. So before we get into the episode, just start and tell our listeners a little bit about your character and about your relationship to the show and with the source material with the magician's books sure so um you know i play penny adiodi william penny adiodi um who is penny who is petty penny is a guy um penny's a I, I, I my favorite way of describing penny is he's basquiat on the outside wolverine on the inside and <laughs> he's you know he's definitely a lone wolf he doesn't like people you know, I think it stems from the fact that he had a very painful childhood where he was, you know, kicked out on the streets and had to fend for himself. And I don't think that he's ever had anybody that he could rely on. So the idea of, you know, people and groups are, is not his cup of tea. Um, so what's really exciting about the second season and where we start is that once he loses his hands, um, there's very little he can do by himself. And so all of a sudden he is reliant on the group in the way that he's never had to, doesn't know how to, and um, I think leads to some funny and, you know, funny interactions, but also like a a tremendous opportunity for Penny to start growing. Um, And so that's kind of what I see this season, season's arc to kind of be about. That sounds great. Uh, it is a little yeah. bit different from the books, too, right? In the books. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. Like, with Penny, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I feel like, look, I, I've said this a number of times, and I feel this. <laughs> what? We were, we're preparing for, for this. this. <laughs> oh, and, uh, no, I am, I, um, I love the books. I love the books. I'm a huge fan. Y'all know how I feel about Lev. Um, yeah. You know how I feel about his books. They're incredible. I think they're fantastic. I think they transcend the genre to be fantastic pieces of literature. Um, and I, you know, but I'm in the fortunate position that Penny's not in the books that much. You know, <laughs> he kind of floats in and out and we see him, you know, you know, we see him after we don't see him in the books after he, the, his hands get bitten off until we see him, you know, and he's floating in a part of the order, you know. And so. um we have the opportunity to kind of tell what happens between like, what is his story between? And that's um, one, it gives us a little bit of freedom from the books, which is, I think, you know, exciting, but two, um, no, that's it. That's actually it. (laughs) it. Well, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to it. Um, So we have a couple questions from our listeners, and before we get into the episode as well, one of our listeners, China, had a question about your relationship with the cast. She writes, did the cast go out of their way to create chemistry, for example, by using some kind of bonding exercise, or is your on-screen, on-screen chemistry completely natural? Um, you know, it wasn't something that we consciously did, but I think the fact that we all had to move to Vancouver, I mean, this started mm-hmm. at the beginning of the first season because, um, I mean, actually started in the pilot. I'll say it started in the pilot. Um, and we shot the pilot in New Orleans. Um, anytime you get to go away and everyone's in one space, it becomes a bonding experience, um, for good and bad, you know, in any sort of situation like that. We were all in New Orleans. We were in, we were in the Lowe's hotel for a month. We were in a hotel for a month. Like it was an intense (laughs) experience to be in, in one hotel for 30 days where there's no kitchen, there's not an apartment. It's just like, um, so it was, it was, 
we all leaned on each other a lot and we had free time. So we all got to the, the, the kind of foundation was um, laid there. But I think it really started to bloom when we all got up to Vancouver. I mean, in New Orleans, when you're shooting a pilot, you don't you don't know you can't give it too much weight because you don't know if it's going to get picked up. And and it's not good for your psyche to start investing in the project yet. You know, on some level, yeah. you can't. You have to just be like, I right, this is a month gig. I'll be out of here in a month and then like deuces to everybody. And then four months later, if you find out that you get to go forward with it, then you can start thinking, oh, okay, now this is potentially a group of people I'm going to spend years with, right? Yeah. Um, so we got to go to Vancouver. If we all had been in LA, I think the show, we wouldn't have the chemistry that we have. I think that for a fact, because we all have our own lives. You know, Jason would be going back to New York. I'd be going back to New York. Um, you know, we, uh, those people that are in LA, we have our lives there. I have my theater company there. we would just get busy, you know, but in Vancouver, we didn't know anybody. Yeah. So we leaned on each other. And so those first like month until we all got settled, we were with each other all the time <laughs> and it was beautiful. I mean, it was really how we sort of, you know, created what is the family that it is. And look, man, there's all sorts of dynamics within the family because, um, Mike Cahill, who directed the pilot who cast us, you know, he described it this way. He got, he's like, you guys are six planets. You guys are your own planets that are like in a solar system. We're not, um, we're not like six of Saturn's moons. No, you have six people that are wildly different, come from wildly different experiences. And, um, I think what has allowed us to become a family is that we were, um, we had to kind of organically create that by being in a completely different city. If that makes sense. No, I think it does. I think the other thing that has allowed us to have the chemistry is that you have, um, we're all artists that are cut from the same intention. Yeah. And that is that we want to tell the best story possible. There's nobody in our cast that's just out here trying to get paid. You know, we're out here trying to do good work and we believe in the source material. We're passionate about um, the books. We're passionate about the scripts and we're passionate about you all you know? Yeah. And so that helps us have a strong commonality um, that we can all build from. I feel like that's really showing in the reviews of this season so far. I mean, everything I've seen is fantastic. There was that Wired review that said The Magicians is the best show on television. That must be really gratifying. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I've heard about some of the reviews, but I have a very strong policy that I don't, I don't read reviews. Um, <laughs> I don't read reviews. I'm not... Um, yeah. And it, and it just happened because, um, I'm in a, I'm in a point with my artistry in my life where I'm, I'm just trying to focus on process right now. Um, because the result, there's too many things between process and result that I can't control, you know? Yeah. And so for me, um, if I start focusing on what, you know, anybody else is saying about me, I, I don't ever want my work to start trying to be for that, you know? The work for me is about the story. So, uh, you know, it, it is gratifying when I hear it because it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm surprised and kind of amazing, but it's also kind of just like, what? Oh, wow. Okay. That <laughs> happened. Okay. Now let's just get back to the work. Yeah. Um, let's just get back to the work. So it's like job security. One of my favorite artists, uh, singers, Bright Eyes, he has, um, a, a lyric about how he's not making the music for the reviews. Yeah, I mean, I think that like it's a it's a counterintuitive sort of relationship with greatness, right? If you start going for greatness or approval, you won't get it. Mm. Um, approval and greatness can only be a byproduct of you subjugating yourself in in favor of in service of the art and the the story and the process, so to say. Um, it's it's a really difficult lesson that I, I am practicing and learning, you know. But I've just learned from experience that when I drop into process, um, everything that I'm scared about kind of just gets taken care of, you know? Um, and so that's kind of just, that's just kind of what I'm working on. And so that means that at this moment where I am, since I'm still a toddler in this practice of just like process-oriented thought rather than result-oriented thought, um, it means that I kind of can't focus on the results. <laughs> mm. All right, well... Let's think about this think about this episode specifically. I think Penny sure. had a lot of really interesting moments, right? So one of the things that we Danny and I were talking about yesterday when we were rewatching the episode was that mm -hmm. 
Penny really seems to be comic relief in this episode more than he has been in the past. Yeah. Is he? Oh, cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and we kind of thought he was more like, I know that you disagree with us about this dichotomy, but we, we kind of thought he was more like book Penny than we've seen before. Well, yeah, so I think that, uh, well, explain to me what you think is book Penny. Well, okay, so I have a great quote here because I was looking at the, you know, the Reddit community, our break bills? No, but I do now. Uh, people were talking about their favorite characters, and somebody said that they really liked Book Penny, which surprised me. So I read the whole thing that they said. <laughs> they said he was their favorite character, and then described him as a pompous ass with the charisma and social skills of a slightly moldy potato. Wow! <laughs> wow, that's a fantastic description. I know it's beautiful, isn't it? I love it. I mean, kind of gross, but beautiful. No, yeah, I mean, of course, but like the, the specificity is beautiful. So wait, okay, so how does that relate to what you saw in the first episode? Well, I, I still see the characters as very different, but uh, in the first episode, he's closer in that he is, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, he's just kind of there, which is kind of how he is in the books. He's just kind of there. You were talking about this yesterday. You see more of his nerdy side like you do in the books. So, like, oh, yeah. in the books, when Penny gets to Fillory, he's all, like, deferential to all the creatures. And that's not what Penny in the show is doing. But Penny does, like, have all this deep knowledge of the Fillory books that he hasn't let on previously. Like, when he's yelling about, when you, I guess, are yelling about, um, yelling at the, like, sham artist at uh, mm -hmm. Chatwin's Torrent. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't book. in the books. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so here's what here's my take on this whole thing. I think that what, what everyone kind of saw as a big departure for Penny in the, the first season from the book is that Penny in the first season had a lot of confidence, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and someone that was really grounded and, like, you know, it's still a front, you know? Um, I just took, you know, and I always kind of interpreted that that in this way, is that um, the Penny in, in the books was just as arrogant Um he just wasn't seen as as cool because, and and I'm sorry, Lev, yeah. I'm going to say this out loud because you tried to write someone that was edgy, but you gave them a you gave them punk, and you were stuck in the '90s when <laughs> you went in the '90s, and you know, and so you tried to write somebody that was edgy that like wasn't, but you gave him the the characteristics of somebody that's not edgy. It was a know? nerd's vision of of edgy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and so what me and Magali especially did Magali Guidashi, who is our, our incredible costume designer, she, we kind of went with edgy and what would be edgy at this moment in time. And, and it's somebody that's unpredictable. What is edgy is somebody that like you're afraid of, like, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone that's so depart, like who wears, you know, where's his style who kind of has this gypsy vibe is really what's unpredictable. You know, like, where's that guy coming from? Now in the second season at the top of it, um, all of a sudden, all of Penny's defenses are dropped. Because he is in shock. Yeah, he's vulnerable. He's he's as vulnerable as we have and maybe will ever see him. So, you know, it, I wanted it. I wanted this episode. I wanted Penny to feel really, really different mm. for the, the audience. I wanted him to feel, um, you know, I wanted to honor the trauma and shock of if you got your hands cut off. You know what I mean? Because our, our show moves so quickly at times. I don't want to just blow. There's there you could um, blow past things, right? And I don't want to do that, <laughs> like because I want to honor the like the horror of what we go through in the show as well. Yeah. Um. And so for me, in that space, all of a sudden, all these like so he kind of is like the vulnerable child, right? There's a childness, a childishness to Penny that we see in the first episode that we haven't really seen before. And I think it's because all his defenses are gone and his, and he's desperate. And, um, and that was what was exciting. So maybe that, I mean, I'm kind of like, yeah. no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that that childishness is exactly what I at least saw in Penny in the books and wasn't seeing in the shows until now. And, and yeah. I kind of, I kind of wanted that to be such that like <clears throat> his inner child is so covered by defenses that it takes something as dramatic as as a hand's being chopped off to be seen. And you saw it getting whittled down throughout the first season, but this is another level. And it's going to be interesting for y'all, um, hopefully, to see where that inner child, how it comes in and out, and how he starts to handle his inner child in a different way throughout the second season. 
there's also a big uh, book departure in general. Just like we've been mentioning this in the last few podcasts about just, you know, the differences that you also have to change because you've aged up the characters. Mm. Whereas they were all like, you know, very young in the books when it first started. And you guys are at least like, what, six years older than those characters are supposed to be? Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing that we do with age and that we just don't think about it. Um, <laughs> um, we're supposed to be, we're still supposed to be. Here's my thought on the age situation, right? And and again, hopefully we're communicating this and we might not be, you know, but we. this is what our, my hope is, at least that I want Penny to still be someone who's emotionally immature in that he doesn't know how to like, it's, it's emotionally mature for, you know, I'm 30 years old. I only in the last... It took me a long time, thanks to therapy and meditation, to understand and learn how to ask for help truly, you know, and how to be okay with that. Um, Penny doesn't have that. So you can be a 40-year-old and still act like a 20-year-old in that way. And so even though the, the characters are supposed to be 25, but to me, I took that as an emotional age, you know what I mean? And what does 25 mean in today's world? And that's still sadly very emotionally immature. And so hopefully the characters still feel young in the way that they deal with things, whether we look young or seem, I, I, I don't. Oh, I don't they're definitely to, still uh, young. They're just not high school, immature young. Well, these guys are in the books. They weren't. Oh, right. Cause they started in the books in 18, right? Yeah. I think Quentin was 17 <laughs> oh, too, right? right. 17. Was, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So we did age him up. Yeah. We did age him up to the mid twenties. You're right. Which is great for us because, you know, we're not that young. <laughs> no, that's true. Anymore, so. Right. <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know, so many shows that have people in high school still have older actors. So it's better to be at least a little bit shorter to form. Look, none of us look like we 17 anymore. Like, that's not <laughs> happening, you know? And John McNamara said this in the same thing. He said, you know, 17 to 33 was the age range of the books. Um, and so for us, doing 23 to 30 or 23 to 35, like, it's it's a little bit of an easier um, jump to make. I think that makes a lot yeah. of sense. All right, so we have some more listener questions. This one's from Killy. What up, Killy? <laughs> um and it says, okay, Penny saw some of the consequences of his behavior in this episode. And I think she's referring to uh, the moment in Chatwin's Torrent when he's, like, kind of sassing the guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then he gets, like, hexed. And she asks, do you think he'll learn from this experience? Ooh. Um, you're going to have to watch and find out whether or not he's going to learn. Oh, anything. cop out. <laughs> uh, it's not a cop out. I mean, it's just like, that's the season for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the season. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be hard for this experience not to have an impact on him, you know. And I think that, um, but that impact with learning is never linear, right? And yeah. I'll just say it that way: learning is never linear, um, and especially when you have no time to process that which you are learning. You know, I have no time to sit with, oh, what just happened? What do I do with it? Because these guys are in constantly survival mode, right? We finished the we finished the first episode, like our our friends in Fillory, um, Penny and his gang. I have no fucking clue where the beast is or how to get to him still. I still, I mean, my hands are starting to tweak out in a way that like what's going on. So there's, um, we're still in survival. There's no time to like process this. So the learning happens in really um, zigzaggy ways, I would like to say. Cool. Well, I think we're all looking forward to seeing that journey. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we have another question. This is from one of the Sarah. She's part of the Arjun Gupta's Arjun Gupta fans oh, group on Sarah Myers. What yeah. up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and she asks, "There's the OG." <laughs> um, she asks, "What was it like to watch this episode with your family?" Oh, that was. Um, well, I'll be honest. I'll be completely honest. I was tweeting a lot. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, but it was lovely. I mean, just to be with my family and be able to share this with my family. And, and, um, you know, my nanny lives in India and for me to be able to have her be here and be able to like watch it with her is really exciting. Um, it's a huge blessing. Um, I'll be honest, she's 83 and I don't think she understood a lot of what was going on, <laughs> but, um, and because her English, her English is not great and we talk pretty quickly, but, she got to see her grandson on TV, you know, I mean, that's a, that was, she was very excited. And my parents have been, you know, huge fans of mine and supporters of mine from the beginning. So it's, um, you know, they've given me a lot. They've given me a lot from a standpoint of support. They've given me a lot from just like, you know, holding me when I was down. So to be able to share my successes with them is 
it's the best, frankly. It's just the best. Yeah, it sounds pretty great. It seems like you and your your family are really close. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I talk about um, in different formats. I talk about community immensely, and I think that that you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne had a theme in his in his short stories that salvation is found through community. And when I heard that in high school, when I was reading it and we were talking about it, I don't know why it hit me in this strong way. And it's because it, I, I believe it. I believe it. And I, I, um, you know, especially at this moment in time when community seems so fractured and when the country feels so fractured and, you know, finding communities that you can, can lean in and, and have each other's back is, uh, I mean, it's everything. It's quite literally everything yeah. to me. <laughs> Um, and so that's why I love communities just like this, you know, where people can get together, like-minded people and can have each other's backs and like share commonalities. And cause otherwise, you know, we feel like we're alone Yeah. and you feel like you're alone. It is, the world can feel really overwhelming. Um, but we're not, we're not alone. Yeah. I've been blessed to have been able to experience that and learn that through experience. And that's, um, I do not take that lesson for granted ever. So that does bring up something that Danny and I have speculated about. All right, so we know that there was some conversation before the first season about what Hogwarts house all the characters are in. I can't remember what you said for Penny. You want me to answer it? Well, no, what we want you to answer is what Hogwarts house you're in. Me, Arjun? Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's hard. Um, I mean, here's the thing about Hogwarts houses, right? (laughs) Here's the thing. It's hard, like there's an ego thing that you have to try to let go of when you're trying to answer this question. Because your ego, because the books are always told through the perspective of Gryffindor, you're like, well, Gryffindor is the fucking best. Let's all be in Gryffindor, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I hate Gryffindor. <laughs> right, yeah, you well, got to spend more time on Tumblr. Gryffindor is not popular. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, see, no, see so I'm just... Gryffindor is not popular by the fact that it is way too popular. Exactly. So it's become... The, the world is full of hipsters, oh, so right. So like hip, on, okay, so taking away some hipster knowledge and <laughs> some hipster context. Um, so wait, Gryffindor is for the brave, right? Is that and Ravenclaw's yeah. for the wit? Yeah. And Hufflepuff <laughs> is for the kind, and and Slytherin is for the cunning, cunning right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the you know it, it, the weird thing is that all of us as human have all of those things within us right naturally um but i think that i tend to be really kind and if i have to go to it like what my my rootedness would be that i would want to be um a healer right that's kind of what i feel like if i if they, people ask me what like the magic power i want is it would be healing so i guess hufflepuff yeah. seems kind of like <laughs> where that makes most sense you know um, I maybe so I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I would have to say. That's that's what we thought. We thought you were helpful. You thought so? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Because <laughs> we keep seeing yeah. like these moments too in the show where Penny, who is I don't think is a Hufflepuff. What did you say he was? I had said that Penny was probably in Gryffindor, but he really doesn't give. I know. Here's my new answer about this because I thought <laughs> of this recently. Right, Penny'd be out there with Hagrid in the house, not giving a fuck. That's what he'd be. He'd be like. Fuck all these houses. I'm hanging out with Hagrid. We're gonna go in the Forbidden Forest and like play with some big tarantulas. I feel like that's still Gryffindor. To be honest, (laughs) what? He'd probably get expelled for some reason. That's true. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know. (laughs) Like here's here's the thing about Penny. Penny's not a like. Penny is a troublemaker, but he's the kind of troublemaker that like teachers and adults are like. But you have the potential. uh, Stop. I'm gonna. I can't give up on you. Right. He's that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like. Even with the new, like, Harry Potter lore, I don't know if you've seen Fantastic Beasts and where to find them yet or not, but, like, Newt Scamander is, like, the sweetest thing on the planet. He was a Hufflepuff, and he was expelled from Hogwarts, so anybody can be expelled from Hogwarts for stupid reasons. Well, look at that. I I don't know enough, then. I don't know (laughs) All I know is Hufflepuff. That's what I know. So what we were saying, though, is we think that there have been some, like, Penny secret Hufflepuff moments um, throughout the series, and we think that's coming from you, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know, it's it's who are these people really, right? Are they their defenses or who is they at their core? And that's the thing that you know we get to really explore. I mean, um, we are not our masks. So what happens when we become unmasked? Who are we? Well, really? 
everybody I feel has two houses. They have one that they front, <laughs> and then they have one that is their true inner essence, which is what you would get sorted into. <laughs> so, in case you um, had any question, we're total nerds. No, yeah. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like Arjun's front house would be um, Gryffindor, but my inner house is is Hufflepuff. I told you. So I get so I get extra points because I went straight to my inner essence. <laughs> You always get extra points, Arjun. Uh, that's so sweet. Okay, move on. Move okay, on. Uh, so speaking of outer defensive defenses, Alex asks, what percentage of your wardrobe would you estimate is made up of vests? Um, Alex, that's a great question. I, it's funny. I don't think I, I... I mean, I'm not conscious of wearing as many vests as everyone says that I do, but I think that's because I know the second season and there's a little bit less mat, uh, vesting going on. There's sometimes like we do shirts without sleeves that oh, like yeah. look like vests that don't. I mean, Penny's always going to have some flavor and there's always going to be a vest-like feel because there's not a lot of <laughs> buttons that he puts on. So is it a shirt that feels like a vest because most of my chest is exposed like a vest would be? Yeah, then pretty much 100% of my wardrobe. Um, but actual vests, maybe 20, 25%. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings up another question probably the biggest question i can't believe i'm gonna ask this probably the biggest question on people's minds this week was right. Who's that butt was that yeah was it your butt <laughs> so so here's let me tell you the full story <laughs> about this because i argued a lot i want this to be very clear um <laughs> i desperately was like i care very much about integrity and authenticity and i was like yo this has got to be my butt <laughs> and um chris fisher was like look man i can't let you go on we were shooting in that creek um, the whole day and we were shooting the scene where I go underwater and like they do that up above wide shot like in the middle of the day and then I had I was in every scene that day so Chris Fisher was like nah man you can't go in the you can't go in the, you can't do that shot but I'm gonna do the shot where you know you're walking by and we're just gonna see your ass and I was like all right that's me <laughs> um, so that ass was supposed to be mine but they ended up cutting they they resized it so that you could see the hands being sewn back together more clearly. Um, so you lose my personal ass, and the other <laughs> ass that you see is um, is Adrian Persad's ass, my stunt double. And uh, if you all like, it, it, it's a different looking ass, actually. I'll be honest, and I'm, you know, I feel like the world should know that. <laughs> well, I think the world's gonna know now. <laughs> the world's gonna know now. And again, I want to apologize because I wanted it to be my ass, but people in power told me it wasn't allowed to be my ass because of the timing. <laughs> schedule no <laughs> so i feel i genuinely like feel kind of bad about it they should have just photoshopped the butt what they should have just post photoshopped your butt in i mean yeah let's talk to y'all should write letters <laughs> you know i think if you ask for that it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> well just oh yeah so everybody uh use the hashtag we want arjun's butt there we go there we go <laughs> Like, at least in the DVD footage. Come yeah. On. There you go. <laughs> Tweet it at Magician Sci-Fi. We're good. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think that's all of our questions, and I think it's time for us to talk about the episode. Cool. So what was it like for you, Arjun, filming this episode? Yeah, I mean, so we filmed episodes one and two together, um, if I recall correctly. So um, both of them together. I mean, it was the first episode back. Um, it always feels like the first day of school um, from that standpoint, in like a good way. Like the first day of elementary school. Because the first day of high school kind of felt like shit. Um, but the first day of elementary school, you know, where, you know, it's, you get to see all your friends again. Um, I mean, our, our crew is, maj the majority of our crew is back together again. Um, and you all know how I feel. I've spoken a number of times. I love this crew that I get to work with in Vancouver. They're incredible human beings, uh, great collaborators. It was a blast. You know, it was a blast. It was, it was new. We were definitely trying some new stuff. You know, we were in Fillory more. We were in some different locations. Chris Fisher was now on board, a new producing director, and he was directing the episodes. And he has a little bit of a different, uh, he had a little bit of a different take, which was, I think, ended up working so beautifully. But, you know, there's always adjustments when you have new. But it was, um, it was a blast. Plus, we were shooting outside a bunch, and it was, um, and it was June in Vancouver, which is mm. beautiful. Um, the only thing that was, uh, uh, okay, here's a little funny story behind the scenes. Um, that day, where when the scene where Penny comes back with Margot, and then we're like, caught you, caught you guys, and then we start walking down that little, um, like, kind of little uh, foresty area, and then my hand twitches, and you see a, a branch drop, right? So here's the thing about the mosquitoes in uh, Vancouver. There were a lot of them, <laughs> uh -huh. and a yeah. lot of, they, were, they were bugging out during this particular day. So I got stung 
You're bitten? Bitten. You don't get stung. You got bitten by a mosquito right above my left eye, and it <sighs> welted. Oh, God. And, and um, like, I had to put ice on it before the shot because it was blowing. It was, like, blowing up. They were thought they were going to have to hold production for, like, 10 minutes to get it sorted out. But it ended up working <laughs> out. Um, it ended up working out fine. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's going to illustrate at all how it felt, but it felt great to be back. Oh, good. I'm glad. Did you guys like the episode? How did you guys feel? I'm going to turn it on oh y'all for a second. I loved this episode. <laughs> Word. I, I loved it. It was it was very lighthearted comeback after a very, very heart-wrenching episode. So it was, it was a nice balance. Oh, yeah. word. I didn't think about that. For me, there was, there was so much that was good in this episode. And I, one of the big things is just you, you see almost everybody... Except for Katie, where's Katie? Come back, Katie. Um, <laughs> you see, almost you know, almost everybody who you really got to know and love in the previous season, and I felt like the chemistry was just on point. Like all of those scenes during the coronation, um, especially like all the Quentin and Elliot stuff, because you know, Quelliot is a pretty big ship up in these parts. I, I've, I've heard. <laughs> and then, I like, mean, we ship everybody. It's true. Yeah. Well, not everybody. But we do have a lot of ships, oh. which, by the way, uh, it's Margo and Alice. Sorry, you can't get in on that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. okay. I, I, I opened a can of worms by doing that, and I didn't even—I didn't know. I didn't know that was going to happen. You wait into you wait into shipping. You get soaked. I, apparently, I'm going to stop doing that from now. I feel like it's not fair though, because like. Penny doesn't have very many ships, at least coming from, like, the book. <laughs> Not yet, but I really liked the friendship stuff between Penny and Margot in this episode. Yeah, I would love to see them more. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting pairing, truthfully. Like, on a lot of levels. I mean, Penny Penny has the opportunity. I get the opportunity to kind of work with everyone through the season. Um, because I'm a traveler. Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you guys were talking about, yeah, you got to see everybody in chemistry was on point. Hey, the coronation everyone- scene was fantastic that that was so emotional like i i loved it that was definitely the best part of the episode wait which was the coronation Coronation. oh okay sorry i didn't hear it was coming through um yeah i agree the coronation was was amazing and it was nice to have you still in that too penny like being his too cool for school self and just like rolling his eyes at everybody penny totally smiled when when he was getting his crown. There. It was definitely he a mock smile. I, don't, I know. I saw that tweet, Danny. I saw that tweet. <laughs> he saw it though. It's there. It's it's a it's a it was a mocking smile. Um, <laughs> I've gotten. I do want to answer this. I've gotten a lot of people asking like why Penny didn't get a crown. Um, I just want to ask why do y'all think Penny would give a fuck? <laughs> uh, Penny in the books would have. Huge he was filler. Very, uh, he was a nerd. He was just like. Hello, sir, and like introducing himself to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But I guess my penny, uh, my penny, he he doesn't he don't he don't give a fuck about that. Man. So that's true. You admit they're does. different. You can give it time for that. What? You admit they're different. <laughs> there are. Uh, I guess there are some differences. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, you, chemistry was great. The. You you talk about the crew a lot. I really felt like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff really came out in this episode. Like it was gorgeous. It was really yeah. beautifully shot. I think somebody told us it was Eli Smolkin who's the cinematographer. Ellie, Ellie sorry. Smolkin, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean Ellie got he got the freedom this year. I mean I think one of the things that happened between the first and the second season is you know people. Budget. No, I don't know that the budget really changed, to be honest. I think that we were given more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to go to different locations. Um, we got to play around more. Chris pushed for more locations. And Ellie was given the green light to do whatever the fuck he wanted when it came to lenses, um, camera, and movement. And I think that shows. I oh, mean, yeah. uh, that scene that we, you know, I mean, part of what made that coronation scene just so beautiful was where we were shooting and it was an hour outside of vancouver but it was worth you know and production put in the time the logistical planning and the effort our locations department who is usually like the least talked about department in a in a show those guys did a fucking amazing job this year i mean the locations that we got to go that rainbow bridge that we went up to that drone shot which is Probably the most beautiful shot in the episode when we are walking across yeah. the rainbow bridge, my perspective. 
Um, I mean, we drove two and a half hours. Wait, is that place real? Yeah, that is a real bridge, fam. That's a real bridge. <laughs> we were talking about it yesterday, and we're like, how do you think they made well, it? Well, like, the flowers are real? Half of the flowers were real, and they moved them around, and then they VFX filled it in. But there was a lot of that was just our art department bringing up crazy flowers and then placing them on a suspension bridge. I have a photo. I'll tweet it out um, today. Please I'll do, put it on yeah. You guys can get a sense of what that is. But it was... Uh, you know, so Ellie, I mean, Ellie and, and the lighting department, everybody, they knew what the show was the first after the first season. They came back ready to play. And um, I think you guys are reaping the benefits. And wait till wait till the next episode or the fourth episode where you really see the throne room. But when you guys see the throne room, you guys will lose your shit. I'm really excited. I've seen some of the like... Uh, behind the scenes shit. Yeah, I saw the, the 360 the thing on Facebook. What was it? The... The concept art, and I was just like blown away. So I can't wait to see it for real. Yeah. We're so glad it's back. I think even if this episode had been a dud, which it was like the opposite of a dud, we would have been so glad it's back. I, and what, I mean, what's really exci- no, go ahead, Danny. My bad. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad they waited until, you know, season two to get into Fillory just because. Yeah. There, it's just, you can't make Fillory and not make it like the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. And. We have. I actually think the first episode is probably one of the weakest episodes of our season. I've seen seven episodes so far. So if y'all like the first episode, y'all are in for a treat. <laughs> I'm so excited. Me too. I, I mean, and I don't even mean that to disparage the first episode. I'm trying to just um, underline how strong I think the rest of it is. I think the the first the first episode is just very much like kind of like setting everybody up where they're. It feels like homecoming, right? Like both yeah. for us getting something new, but also because everybody's going to Fillory and that is sort of like a spiritual home for a bunch of them. I also want to shout to John, Sarah and to Sci-Fi. Um, it's very risky after you've built a season around a few sets and get everybody comfortable with a few worlds to then up and uproot the entire audience and show into another world. That is not always done. I mean, Weeds was... Um, you know, given a lot of credit and was very courageous after the third season to pick up and move to Mexico. Um, but that was after three seasons. Mm. We, after one season, have completely shifted the landscape of the show. And um, it, that's a risk. It's a risk that, you know, John, Sarah, and um, and Sci-Fi were willing to take. And I'm glad they did because I think it's paid off Yeah. Uh, well. I mean, we're only seeing the first episode, but it sure seems like it already. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, next segment, we just want to talk about like favorite scenes. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll start with the ones that, that Danny and I picked out yesterday. So our favorite of your scene was that scene like yelling at the scam artist at Chatwin's torrent. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play a clip of that right now. Oh, shit. Okay. Are you sure I can't interest you in an elixir? It's small batch and very fresh. No, thank you. I have a tooth powder that I think you are going to love. You know what? We're, we're kind of in a hurry. I understand. As you wish, pleasure to serve. I think he wants a tip. 20 gold pieces is customary. Okay, that sounds like a lot. This is Chatwin's torrent. We don't have, there was nothing about charging in the books. Oh, you'd rather pay in labor. I think three to five years. Are you fucking kidding me? You said none of this before (laughs) I went in the river. Because Y'all get that. I'm officially affiliated oh, yeah. with the torrent. Penny, chill out. It's kind of an amateur calling. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. You're a con man. No, Penny. No, I know his type. I've been ripped off plenty of times by smiling little snake oil pricks like this dude. Okay. Same All in right. Detroit. Same in Mumbai. Same in Philly. Okay. Sorry. Try it on the next sap who needs this natural <laughs> resource on public property. It was a fun scene. <laughs> yeah, I feel like at the end there, it's it's a little like, you know, the like National Park Service rogue account kind of feels like that. <laughs> but to me, you know, this is where when you talk about Penny being like the essence of Penny in the book and the essence that I try to bring of Penny. Penny in the book was the dude that in the exam, he was like, how many glasses of water am I allowed to take? Like, you know, <laughs> let me have my hand up. Let me like, you're not, you're not fucking with. He's an incredibly principled human person. Human person? That's a weird saying. But he's an incredibly <laughs> principled person. Um, and, you know, I think this is that same sort of thing, you know, where he's got a strong, he's got an incredibly strong code of ethics, and he does. Yeah. I, I really just love that whole, like, but this didn't happen in the books. Like, 
<laughs> well, y'all remember that he read the sixth book, right? I mean, he read the sixth book and then just like threw it away. I mean, he doesn't like Penny. You know, I think there's obviously a core underneath that he cares about this stuff, and 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 um, you know, I think yeah, you're you're seeing that um in this scene, the cracks, yeah. the cracks. <laughs> but like integrity is important to him, but it's a very personal definition of what that means. Yeah, I mean, you can steal shit from the, he's Robin. You know, it's like the code of the streets. It's very like code of ethics. That's like, yo, um, I'll steal if it's like feed somebody. You know, I'll fuck you up if you do something wrong. Like, he's a vigilante in a lot of ways. And this dude comes in, he's taking advantage. Like, this is a healing space. And I think that Penny's like, yo, you didn't tell me that beforehand. If you had told me that beforehand, I would have, like, made a decision. You've robbed me of my, you've robbed me of choice. You've robbed me of power in that sort of situation. And that's what offends him. Is like, yo, don't fucking do that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so the He's next like, yeah. the poor. Um, yeah, I mean, Penny is the guy. Sorry, I mean, you know, Penny is nope. like Penny genuinely, um, I think at his heart would uh, because he was exploited and vulnerable as a child will always step to bat for those. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Penny's backstory. Do we get to hear more of that in this season or is it? Not in this season. Not in this season. But I'll tell you about it any fucking time you want. I'll do that. <laughs> well, how, how about you tell us a little about it now? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially someone who um, was kicked out of the home at a very young age and, and left to fend for himself on the streets from a young age. And in my head, it's around 10 or 11 years old. Um, and he has literally grown up and he said, fuck the foster care system. And I think that he just went on living on his own. I think he bounced around foster system and was just like, fuck it. And just like grew up on the streets. Hmm. Um, it's hard to imagine like 10 year old Penny. Yeah. I mean, that would be a fun episode. Please do that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next scene that we have, it, it, it is just pre-coronation. I think you'll know it when you hear it. Sorry about the disruption, folks but I always do the last dance of the season. <laughs> this year, somebody told me not to. So I'm going to do my kind of dancing with a great partner uh, who's not only Hale. a terrific I dancer. I love Hale so much. Who taught me. I love Hale so much. That there are people I'm, out there willing to stand up for oh, other sorry, people. I'm interrupting it. No matter what it costs them. Somebody who's taught me about the kind of person I want to be. Miss Francis Houseman. Your Majesty, the crown <laughs> Majesty. Of that guy was the Are best. Yours. He's the MVP of the episode. I know that comes. Yeah. <laughs> He's my MVP. Like, sorry, what that brother did as an actor, as a performance with that sort of situation, and and there were takes that y'all didn't get to see, and and I don't know if they'll be on deleted cuts or I don't know how that works. I hope but so. he, he, there was. Um, you know, they they ended up focusing a lot on Hale, but his the, watching his reactions, like it was hard not to crack up laughing. <laughs> I um, think there were a lot of good reactions. I was really impressed with with Olivia's Alice too, like doing a really good job of like what's going on. Okay, I'm part of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we. It's just like it was such a fun thing. And Hale, I mean, Hale's wonderful and so talented and. Um, it was so funny. It was so funny watching him prepare for that too. Cause I was yeah, just like, yo man, it, right? it was a Friday night. I was like, yo brother, we, you want to go out? We, you know, he's like, nah, man, I got to go back and watch Dirty Dancing. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that he'd never seen it. He hadn't seen it. He hadn't seen it either. And so he watched it like three or four times before this. I mean, I love it. Did I you watch it with him just... ever? No, we were going to do that. And I didn't because I actually haven't seen the movie either, to be honest. Oh, you got to see it. I know. <laughs> go back. You and Hale. Got to have like a boys night. Watch Dirty so, Dancing. So, is Hale really good at impressions? Like, is that a thing? He is. He's our guy who, he impersonates everyone on the on the show. Does he impersonate you? Yeah, you know, he does everyone. Like, I mean, he does a mean Alice. He does a great Margo, <laughs> a summer. Um, he, yeah, he does me. as. Um, I try to do some people, but um, I do a good Jason. Um, but I, uh, Wait, I want to hear this. Uh, well, you know, it's just like, I'm, I, I kind of thinking like, you know, it's, it's just like, I think about <laughs> the things that I want to do with my life. 
<laughs> and you know, I just like I don't really know. Uh, you know, it's just like it's, it's hard sometimes. You know, I mean, and that's what I'm thinking at times. You know, <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, you have to help convince, help us convince Hale to come on the show so we can hear him do all the impressions too. I don't think you'll need any help convincing. I'll just have, I mean, but I'll let you know. I'll help, I'll help him whatever so. I can. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's see. What was the next scene? Oh, well, th- we have a lot from the coronation scene. So the next one is also there and it's Quentin's speech. So destiny is, it's bullshit. But you are a high king in your blood. And somehow that makes sense, you know? And I, I just, I, for what it's worth, I think that you are going to be a really good king. Um, so um, I, I dub thee, um, I don't know, would you say you're like more brave or merciful? I'd say I'm neither. But I still plan to be a spectacular monarch. I love that so much. I think there's it's a beautiful scene. I mean, it's a beautiful scene where you get to see, um, the show I think is that, I think the show flies when you let the characters be at their vulnerable, you know, when we get breath to see, like when they get moments together to process all the shit that's going on, you know, cause sometimes yeah. you get caught up, like going through, going through. And then we, and then we earn these moments like this one where you sit for a minute. Um, yeah. And I think there, there's so much nuance in this scene. Everybody, I mean, in in it's visible in the acting. It's there in the writing. It's there in the music. Everything is just so gentle. It really respects that vulnerability. Yeah, Danny, what did you think? Um, well, I love that because I just feel like in the show, there's never enough of Elliot and Quentin's like friendship because it's very important in the books. So it was really, I really loved seeing that scene, and then the scene later, of course. Yeah, those two scenes were nice from that standpoint, you know. Yeah. And we've talked before about how they have, um, you know, the term romantic friendship. Sure. I call it bro. How, like, that is really the at the core and essence of their relationship. And I think this really shows it well, that it's, it's right, like, the thing about a romantic friendship is that it it's not a romance. It's just very intimate as a friendship. I mean, I think you'd get argument from both. Jason and Hale, that there is some level of romance between the two. Good. <laughs> Good. I want that argument. <laughs> I mean, I think you'd especially get that from Hale. I mean, and you and I'd agree. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, threesomes don't just happen casually. Like, I don't <laughs> think that that's something that's like lightly. Um, and I don't think it's something that we will take lightly. Do you think that, so you said there's some element of romance. Do you think that um, that Elliot loves Quentin, like is in love um, with him. I'm not. You know what? I'm not even going to try to speak for that one. I'm going to let Hale come on this show and break it down for you because I I'm I'm not even going to presume. Because I feel like the only person that Elliot's probably ever loved, and this is not counting that one side character that he killed, is Quentin. Uh, I mean, Margot is up there, Danny. I don't I don't think you should discount that. But I mean, like romantically. I again, I will let Hale come on. And there's a, I think, I think Elliot's a complex and nuanced, fluid character who I think that he, I think his truest love is probably Margot. Hmm. And that Quentin is a different kind of love. I don't know though. That's a really, I that's mean, a, romantically though, that's erasing his gay identity if you say that he loves Margot in any romantic sense. Well, I don't know. I mean, would it be erasing his gay identity or acknowledging a fluidity of sexuality that he could be because of how intimate and how much history they've shared between him and Margot that Margot transcends gender for his sexuality? You know, I don't know. I don't know that that's a fair thing to say that it erases his gayness simply because he is, you know, potentially in love with one specific woman who he shares his full intimacy with. Um, I don't know. I, I, these are, these are uh, you know, I think very interesting questions that I'm glad the show brings up, truthfully. I think he loves her, but I would say it's more of like a, a platonic, like friendship, mate for life, love. Well, no, this is a question, though. What if they've had sex, though? How does that change things for you in your thought process behind well, it? Well, sexuality, I don't tie to romance. Okay. You're, okay. Well, I don't like, know. I, I, just, I just count yeah. them as very separate entities because you can be like bisexual but 
probably never going to date somebody of the same sex, so it would change your romantic. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And again, I'm just throwing out devil's advocacy, and I think that Hale was the best. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we look forward to asking him directly. I think it should be fun. Um, Okay, so... Oh, so this is Quentin and Alice after the coronation. Apology accepted. That was you apologizing for what you did. I just... If we survive this, I hope we can be friends still. I know it may sound stupid. But that's what I'm mad at you for, not... Not the cheating part. The part where what you did made me lose you. And you were a big part of my life, Quentin. You can never lose me, Alice. And I mean, you can avoid me and you can hate me. I don't hate you. Well, you can't lose me. Sorry. So were you around when they shot that scene or was it a day without you? No. That was um. Were they in the were they in the horse carriage? No, they, they were. That was the fire that Penny made. They were around, sitting around the fire. Oh yeah, no, I was around. I know where the. I was that same day because I walked by Margo and I'm like, I'm going to the torrent. So I was right. in the same location. Yeah, I was there. So did you? I mean, was this the? Did you see it for the first time on TV, or did you get to watch? And what did you think about no, it? No, I I watched some of the um, I watched some of the the take of this for sure. Um, we were all pretty great. Like when we're on set, we all watch each other's stuff just because we're in this shit together, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, this is a moment where what I, you know, we, we deal with the consequences of what happened. Hmm. You know, you put Alice and Quentin in a room together or in a space together, something's going to have to be discussed just like in life it would be, you know, and these are moments that we get to see. Um, and you know, it, you see a lot more of it as it continues through the season. Like that's the thing that I like about the show is that we don't we don't race by things too too quickly. We race by them pretty quickly, but we still give enough time to like for the audience to see what's happening. You know. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I had two more clips, but I don't want us to run out of time. So I think now what we really want to ask you is what were your favorite scenes to shoot. Um, I mean, I'm always really bad at this question just because <laughs> I really love working. And so every scene is really fun. The Night of Crown scene with uh, was phenomenal. One, because of the location um, and because of uh, the gentleman playing the knight. He did a fantastic job. It mm. was just really fun, um, as did everyone in the cast. Plus, it was a really fun scene for Penny to just... They cut out the one line. They cut out this line that Penny had because of time. We didn't have enough time in this episode. Um, but where Penny, like, Quentin's like, I'm... Sorry, Elliot's like, I'm sorry that you're not getting a crown. And Penny's like, kind of just addresses, you know, he doesn't want to be a part of the monarchy that's like oppressing people. <laughs> oh, I uh, wish they hadn't cut that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun line to do. Is like, you think I give a, he was something like, I'm not trying to interest, you think I want to be a crown? You don't think I want to be a king? Like, something about, I don't want to be a part of a feudal system that oppresses the people. Oh. Something like that. Um, and so that was a fun scene. But I mean, it was just fun to be a part of that for sure. Um, the scene across the bridge, walking across the bridge, where we got to shoot that from the standpoint of the context around shooting it. I know we were just walking across the bridge, so it wasn't like the most challenging and artistically fulfilling moment, but from a standpoint of walking, like where we got to shoot and what that day was, it was remarkable. Um, but I, I mean, I have a lot of fun every time. I mean, it was really fun getting to work with Summer, you know, just me and Summer, we hadn't had a lot of scenes together. You guys Um, are pretty close off screen, right? Yeah, I mean, Summer and I are very close, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we got one scene in the first season that also got cut out a little bit in the in the test episode um, where she comes back and she, like, inspects me when I come back from the, um, the quote-unquote bathroom and she, like, frisks me and I'm like, and she's like, are you ticklish? And I'm like, why don't you find out? Or something like that. It was something, again, <laughs> yeah, very, like, flirty and sexual between Margot and Penny. Again, got cut out for time. But um, that was really fun. Oh, sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, so our next segment, we like to talk about the fashion in the episode. I think like the, the there was there there weren't like a lot of big things in this episode because it was basically the same things everybody was wearing in the last episode of season one. Right. But there were a couple things. One, I think we really loved the crowns. Um, my favorite was oh. Alice's. What about you? Mine's Margo's. Okay. Margo has the most beautiful crown. 
Sure. I'm going to be, that's yeah. Cool. Y'all paid more attention to that than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're it's very, a, like they're very game game of Thrones. <laughs> so you yeah, don't have I a favorite. Seen game of you haven't seen game of Thrones. Nah, dog. Nah. Oh, you gotta watch it. That's a travesty. <laughs> yeah, sure. Probably. probably. <laughs> um, and Danny, I think you had one favorite outfit of Julia's too, right? Uh, Julia, when she's like playing detective, her outfit, I just like, I want it so badly. Do you, can you describe it a little? She's just wearing like a, a blazer and a, like a tucked in shirt to her high waisted skinny jeans. And it was just, she always looks amazing. Like literally like Julia's outfit goals. Yeah. There's a lot of like casually hot in Julia's outfits. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I, I hear what y'all are saying, but Elliot and Penny by far have the best wardrobe on the show. <laughs> look for it. I, I don't think anybody's going to deny that. <laughs> Wait, just- but I, I just want to tease this, because when, when, when Magali gets going with the season and she gets to dress up Elliot and Margot as queens, you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, it's out of control what she is able to do. And she built everything uh you've teased some of it you see some of it in the gallery art that i'm sure you guys have seen um you know margo in that black mm. i don't even know what you call that <laughs> and elliot his like and again those things were built those things are built by hand by our incredible costume department um <sighs> penny's coat that you see in that episode in one and um in episode season one and uh episode 13 of season one and and this episode that we're do- we're talking about built that's a built that shirt was wow. built actually um there's several shirts i wear in the season that are built there are creatures that are coming on that every it's it's remarkable what this costume department does and um I'm really glad that you guys have a segment about it because you will have a lot of things to talk about. Oh, yeah. We had, which episode was it? Was it two or three where we just, I I I think we went on for like 20 minutes about all the different (laughs) outfits. Yeah. So there's something I wanted to bring up about this here. Last time we talked to you, you mentioned that Penny's outfits usually have some kind of accessory or like a piece of clothing that hints at his story arc or character development. Sure. We've been rewatching the first season and we cannot figure it out. So is there anything you can tell us about Penny's wardrobe in this episode and how it relates to his character? What do you mean? What did you not figure out in the first one? Did I not tell you? No, you refused. Oh, that's <laughs> shitty. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to fix that? <laughs> sure. Um, well, the first thing is over. So basically what happens is that Penny has these, what I call accoutrement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his bracelets and his necklace that he wore every, you know, it was like five necklaces and, uh, five, five bracelets, sorry. And, you and know, that green uh, pendant thing? Yeah. And when he goes to break Bill's south, it disappears. He's unadorned. And when and that's when uh, Katie and him finally split, or that final act of betrayal comes. And when he comes back, um, Penny stays unadorned for several episodes, accessory-wise, until after the Netherlands, maybe. He comes mm-hmm. back sometime, and he has all of a sudden a new necklace. And this necklace is now um, a piece of lava. And it was something that I designed, actually. It was, this was my idea that I pitched to Magali and Kelly Dunsmore, who was our um, assistant costume designer and, and usually in charge of jewelry, um, was to, um, because Penny, they talk so much about Penny almost dying in, in volcanoes. I felt like Penny would be the kind of dude that would snag a piece of the volcano and make a necklace out of it. Mm. And so that was... And that was it through season one. Um, And in season two, uh, there's nothing in this episode. I mean, obviously, I don't have hands right now. Um, And then when I get the hands back, uh, there's some stuff that comes up in season, the next episode that will be uh, appropriate to this question. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll have to to ask you about it again sometime. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, that's, that's most of what we had for fashion for this episode, just because so much of it. Is, is the same fashion as the season finale. Um, but I generally want to ask, like, is there anything that we missed about this episode that we want to talk about? Um, oh, shit. Uh, you're asking me? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. You guys are really good at picking up on stuff. Um, well, we didn't get to talk about Julia or the Beast. I know. So. I have one of those clips, but I think we don't have time for it right now. 
Yeah, screw Julia. You can have her on the show and talk about it. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Working on it. Did you have any thoughts about their weird budding relationship there? Um, I think it's, uh, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, I think what's interesting (laughs) is to hear your guys' thoughts on it or, you know, Stella. I mean, from my standpoint, it's just uh, two people that are really damaged and how they interact together, you know. Danny, you had a lot to say about this. I I love it personally just because for me, I, I love getting to know villains. Um, like my favorite Harry Potter book is Half-Blood Prince because I love getting to know Voldemort as a as a character. Um, so getting to, to know the beast to me is exciting. Like it's sad seeing his interactions with Julia and I'm scared and sad for her. But I know that she's a very, very strong individual and will persevere. Yeah, one of the things that I felt in this episode was, I mean, this is a coronation episode, so I guess it's sort of by default about people coming into their power, but I thought that was especially true for the women in the episode. Mm. So, like, Margot becomes high queen. There's that scene with Alice and Quentin where he's, like, trying to get her to test the limits of her capabilities and really own up to everything that she can do. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's a lot of what's going on with Julia and the Beast, too, that she's, like, he's teaching her to come to terms with her power and she's not comfortable with it and what it means. Can I can I just frame that slightly differently for yeah. you? Um, she, he's not teaching her. She's learning through a challenging experience. And I think that that's an important thing that you have in this show. Yeah, I think they you're don't, right. Th- these, kids, these kids, and I say that truthfully, these kids don't ever have teachers, including Dean Fogg. <laughs> like, they're never, they're never properly mentored or trained. Um, this is and, why I was comparing Dean Fogg to Dumbledore not that long ago, because Dumbledore was a terrible teacher as well. I would think that Dean is even worse. <laughs> he just seems very I bumbling to me, especially in the books. I think the weird thing about the show is that I think, it, what's the actor's name? Is that Rick Worthy? Is that what we said? Yeah, Rick. Right. So I think he plays, I guess it's that same fronting that you're talking about with Penny. He plays Dean Fogg more confident than I think we see in the books. Right, and I so think that you're starting- and you're also starting, you're going to start to see in the second season, I and mean, he's talked about that openly, and so this is why I feel like I, appropriate that I can echo this for him, is that he, he wanted to show, like, you'll start to see the cracks of somebody that is trying to hold the university together while really being overwhelmed, not, oh, knowing, how to, not knowing how to be the mentor he's supposed to be. Oh, good. Know? I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> because Lev always wanted it so that the characters never had a Dumbledore, never had an Aslan, like never had the yeah. person that like just showed them the way. They had to figure it out themselves because uh, you know most of us sadly don't have teachers. Yeah. Okay, so two last things. First, who's your MVP for the episode? I told you, man, the knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I just want to go for the cop-out answer and just say everybody was MVP because it... It was just such an ensemble episode that it's hard to give it to one person. I really feel that too. We were we were talking about it yesterday because we're like, oh, we can't do the cop out. We you know we always have to have an MVP, and we just couldn't. We couldn't come up with one person. It was such an ensemble. I mean, show. you go with the night. I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, I don't understand. This. I don't understand this conversation. At all. I mean, I'm one of the people you guys are being nice and trying to give an MVP for. Man, it's no. a fucking night. It's not the about night. that, I swear. It just was really good. <laughs> sure, but the night was like, I mean, come on. That's like one of the, one of the yeah. better characters we've had, period. Okay, okay. We will we will take the hint and MVP for this episode. <laughs> What's that guy's name? What's the actor's name? Uh, now you're going to make me... I'm, I'm a huge asshole who doesn't remember. Oh. <laughs> I want to say Kevin. All right, well, Kevin the Knight. There we go. MVP. Um, Last thing, episode rating. I gotta go. This is this has been my favorite episode so far. So I'm gonna give this one a ten out of ten. Like a long time. Yeah, I really love this episode. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) I might have to go for a nine out of ten just just to. (laughs) <laughs> just to be contrary to challenge you. Yeah. <laughs> well okay so I challenge you what did you think was wrong with it oh there was nothing wrong I just <laughs> don't want to give that final point because I feel like there's going to be an episode later on that I'm just like no that deserves the 10 out of 10 <laughs> I feel like you can give more than one episode a 10 out of 10 I feel like that's allowed it's not like I don't know if we could only give one rating per episode we'd be pretty screwed pretty quickly it's true <laughs> 
But no, I really loved it. Um, I don't know. I'm interested in what you have to say, Arjun, because you said you think it's the weakest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm not going to grade anything because I'm way too in it to like be able to <laughs> look objectively through anything. Um, I think that, you know, I think it's the toughest episode because it's the first one. So you have to like reestablish everything and then set what the season is going to be about. And um, I think as we d- dive in, we, uh, yeah, I, I, you get to swim more. You know what I mean? It's not those like first few strokes when you're in the water. Now we're just swimming later as we get in the season. Um, I still think this is a really strong episode. I think this is a really strong season. And I think it's better than, um, I think it's better than most, if not all the episodes from the last season, because every episode just keeps growing. Yeah, I really feel that. Well, I think, first of all, thank you for joining us. We've been really excited to have you. I think we're all really excited to see what goes on in season two. Uh, So thanks to everyone who's listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Mind slide.